Thank you, Kevin. It seems like the worship was especially good today, and I appreciate those who led us. If you have your Bibles there today, turn to Romans chapter 5 as we look at verses 12 to 15. We'll just begin this morning by reading this passage to you, Romans 5, verse 12 to 15. Now, next Sunday we'll have a Christmas message. I hope that you'll come. Uh, Christmas is always a great time to invite people the Sunday before Christmas. I believe we have the youth choir going to sing next Sunday morning. So it'll, it'll be a beautiful service. And so take advantage of the opportunity and invite someone with you next Sunday. Romans 5 verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Verse 13. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. Now, sin is not counted if there's no law, but death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins was not like Adam's transgression. He was a picture, a type of the one to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more as the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounds for many. Paul has been laying out the beautiful results of being righteous by faith, not of works. He said the results of such a decision to embrace Christ as your righteousness leads to peace, verse 1, leads to access, Verse 2 leads to rejoicing. Verse 3, and endurance produces character and character hope. And this hope will not put us to shame because the Holy Spirit's been given to us. And he goes on and he's, he outlines the beautiful results of being justified by faith. And he says, he wants to change gears. He wants to ramp it up. And so he adds another benefit, and that is that of certainty and assurance that what God has promised, he will bring to pass. You'll notice in Romans 5 and verse 10, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, see, he wants to ramp it up here. Much more. Now that we're reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That is his risen life, his resurrection life. If his death would reconcile us to God, what do you think his life 
his present resurrected uh, state as our shepherd and intercessor, what will that bring to us? And he's showing us that it's one thing to be saved by faith. It's another thing to be, to be given assurance and certainty and fortitude and strength and blessing and protection and deliverance and care all of our lifelong and ultimately resurrection of the body. While we were enemies, we were reconciled by his death. What will happen now that we have been saved? What will his life do for us? His risen life. If Jesus can do that for us by dying, what will Jesus do for us in his living? See, that's his, that's his question. And he's wanting to bring tremendous certainty and assurance. In his death at the cross, he was in his weakness. In his resurrection, now at the right hand of the Father, he's in his power. And if he could reconcile us in his, the weakness of the cross... What greater blessing and what greater certainty can come to us in the power of His resurrection? In His resurrection, He says, All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. When He brought us to God, when His death brought us forgiveness, that's not all Jesus does. His whole life, His risen life, is committed now to guarding us, providing for us, sanctifying us, and taking us safely and triumphantly home to heaven. It's good news. We have a Savior. And that's and what a Savior that we have. Now, let's look at some basic thoughts here that Paul is giving us. This is very layered and, and compact, but we'll try to bring out some basic thoughts. In order to show what Jesus now does in our lives, in the church, and in history, Paul uses the analogy of Adam's sin. Notice verse 12. As sin came into the world through one man, that is Adam, and death came through sin, that is his sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. So Adam introduced into humanity and society sin and death. It wasn't there before. One man's decision to disobey God brought all of that devastation. Uh, the illustration that I thought of was in uh, a movie. It's an old movie. Um, 
Gone with the Wind. I don't know if you all ever saw that, but uh, Clark Gable. And I forget the lady, Olivia DeWild or something, I forget. Um, but there's a scene in that movie which shows Atlanta after the Battle of Atlanta. And where the Northern Army had gone through, they devastated it. And they had men lying. They were, some were dead. Some were being taken care of. Some were being given last rites. But as far as the eye could see was just broken humanity, burned out buildings, devastation. This is the power that Adam introduced, this degeneration that Adam introduced into humanity. If you want to know where evil and suffering came from, don't blame God. It came through the sin of Adam. It came, evil and suffering came through the fall. And what he's saying here is, just as that happened, he says, in the same way, the Lord Jesus Christ was the new Adam over a new creation. Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. If many died through one man's trespass, much more will the grace of God and the free gift by grace, the one man Jesus Christ abounds for many. So he's using the analogy of Adam. His argument seems to be that if you want to know how powerful the one man Christ and his obedience to God at the cross, if you want to know how powerful that is, it's much more powerful than the one man Adam and the devastation he brought. Now that's a strong statement, wonderful statement about the Christian faith. Here's a second uh, point that I want to put in front of you this morning, and that is that this devastation came before the law was given. This death was brought to man before the law. Look, if you would, at verse 13. Sin, indeed, was in the world before the law was given. Uh, but sin is not counted if there's no law. Yet death reigned. Now, see if you can understand what he's saying. If there's no law, how can there be a sin? And the law didn't come till Moses. Yet people died. I don't know if you all noticed that on Linden Road now there's a red light where there used to be not a red light. How annoying can they be down there? We got to vote some people in. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But I remember when they first put that red light in, I was going, as I usually do, minding my own business, going down Linden Road, coming toward the church, and I looked up, and I, suddenly there's a red light where there was never a red light before. Slammed on my brakes. And I looked over and there was a cop car sitting right in the side of the road to catch people. 
I thought, man, give us a break. It's the first time I've seen this red light. Of course, I might have went through it three or four times and never even seen it. But there was no law broken, so there could have been no penalty until you put in the red light. Now there's a red light. Now there's transgression if you go through it. And now you pay a fine if you get caught. <laughs> um, in the same way, Paul says, if there's no red light, if there's no law, there's no transgression. But people died. You see how he puts it in verse 13 and 14? Sin was in the world before the law was given, but it's not counted if there's no law, but there must have been sin because death reigned. And if there's no sin, there's no penalty, death. So he's saying that even before the law, one man introduced a dynamic of death because he represented all of humanity. One man, as our representative, brought a kingdom of death. It reigned. It didn't just suggest that you follow it. This reign commands us. It tells us when to come. And we are not able to disobey it. This is the reign of death. Paul's argument is, just as, as death is like a king reigning, issuing commands, even so the new Adam, Jesus, saves us and His grace reigns. Uh, look at verse 21. As sin reigned in death, grace also reigns. Notice that grace also reigns through righteousness leading to eternal life. Grace now has the upper hand. Grace can now command and it's stronger than death. There will come a day when the Lord Jesus in His grace commands our bodies to come forward. Death will have to submit to the grace of God. Even today, Jesus by grace can issue His commands and His grace is greater than our sinful tendencies. The greatness of grace, it reigns. If death reigns, grace reigns. But this comes through representation. Adam brought one kingdom of death, but Jesus brings a greater kingdom of the grace and mercy of God. Now, let me make one other main point here, and that is for the Christian, if there is one difference, it would be this one. We must receive this grace of God in the gospel. Look at verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, they will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. They must receive it. 
So the natural question is, is there a time when in your life, living under the reign of death, under Adam's influence, in your union with Adam, we all descended from Adam, and so we're under this reign of death. Was there a time <clears throat> when we received the grace of God in the gospel? As he puts it here, the free gift of righteousness. Those who receive abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Is there a moment when you did that? If there was, and it was sincere and real, then that grace is going to conquer your sin. His life is going to conquer your death. His victory will conquer your defeat. It may take time. And you may go through times when you don't believe it. But ultimately, it will do so. Have you ever seen grass grow through concrete, parking lot, asphalt parking lots. I've seen parking lots where the grass came up and it had to be mowed. There was so much of it. If you neglect it long enough, it had to be mowed. Life pushing death. Concrete's not alive. Asphalt's not alive. And those seedlets will come up and it will push asphalt out of the way. That is the way the life of Christ in you is because he lives and his life is much more powerful. If his death can bring you to God, what will his life do now? That's Paul's argument. If we have received it, the gift of righteousness, it will bring great blessing, inevitably so. Now let me just... Uh, give two or three final thoughts on this passage. <clears throat> These are uh, just some things that came to my mind. And my first thought was, because I, I guess because I've been reading along these lines in some books, but one of the thoughts was Paul had absolute confidence in the Genesis story of Adam and Eve. Paul never had any doubts that God created the heavens and the earth and on the sixth day he made Adam and Eve. He, he viewed it literally and you know what? He wrote to the church in Rome and evidently assumed that the church in Rome believed it because he didn't have to pause and say, now I know somebody believe in evolution and let me give you the reasons for creationism. No, he just... He, he assumed the church embraced the literal view of the creation story. I like that. Uh, Paul was brilliant. He would have been a, a famous rabbi had he not become an infamous apostle. But he believed in the literal Genesis narrative. A little boy asked his dad... He said, Dad, where did human beings come from? And his dad said, well, son, we descended from monkeys. The little boy then went and asked his mom, Mom, where did human beings come from? And she said, son, God made us in his image. 
And the little boy said, well, Dad said we descended from apes. And the mom said, oh, he's talking about his side of the family. <laughs> That's the way I feel sometimes when I hear these people talking about evolution. You must be talking about your side of the family, man. That's, that's, that's not the biblical view. But the Apostle Paul based the gospel message of representation on the analogy with Adam in the Garden of Eden. He believed it. Here's a second uh, observation, I think, conclusion we can draw, draw, is that every Christian should see this and be very encouraged. Even, even if you're here today and, and, it's like, and you feel like defeated, you feel like sin has the upper hand, I, I want to encourage you with Paul's message. As sin reigned, grace will also reign that's going to be your future. Your destiny is the reign, the authority, the kingdom of the grace of God. If he can bring you in with, by his death, his weakness on the cross, what will he now do? Jesus is not finished with any of us. His present life, his shepherding, his intercession, his authority at the right hand of the Father... It is all brought to bear on our future and upon our life, our Christian life. So be encouraged by Paul's optimism here from the Spirit. One, one other thing, and that is it was not uncommon in biblical history to be represented by another. Whole armies could be represented by one man's ability to fight. Representation in Adam, this shouldn't be surprising to us. Uh, you may remember the story of David and Goliath. Goliath came forward uh, with the Philistines following him and there was Saul the king of Israel and all the Israelites and they were on each side of a great valley and Goliath steps up and he, this is 1 Samuel 17 8 he says choose a man for yourselves let him come down to me if he's able to fight and kill me then all of us the Philistines will be your servants but if I prevail against him and kill him, then you be our servants, our slaves, you serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight. That's the way the kingdom, the reign of death works. The, our connection with that, they say, give me a man. Who's your representative? And death boasts uh, with a universal voice. And I say, we have a man, Jesus Christ. He, the son of David, in his weakness, he comes forth. David had this little slingshot. That was to protect his sheep. It wasn't a weapon of war like a sword or a, a spear. He came with 
redemptive weapons in his weakness and youthfulness. And he won the day. And so in the same way, we do not stand in our own uh, shoes. We have a representative in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas really is. One has come. We say to death, we have a man. There he is, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in one of these two groups, one of these two camps, we find ourselves today. Either in the union with Adam, with him as our representative, or a union with Christ, with him as our representative. And I trust that for you it is in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Ushers, if you'll come, let's worship the newborn king like the sages of old with our gifts this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you that he represents us before you and that the reign of grace is greater than the reign of death. May Jesus be glorified today. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.